Good morning, everybody. And it's good to see you here on this special friend day. We've had two amazing services already and uh, looking forward to today. Got a few things uh, that I want to do. First of all, I want to remind you, uh, last week we talked about how to be a true friend and hopefully your friend was a true friend and got you here today. Uh, I mentioned a couple of friends in last week's message one that I call on Texas OU weekends, but the other, I mentioned that uh, he said, God told him to be my friend. He just didn't know it was going to be that hard. So I called him this week. And uh, when I said, when I called, he answered the phone and said, Hey, cowboy, how you doing? I said, good. And he said, what's up? I said, just called to tell you, I love you. And you know what he said? It's about time. That's, that's my friend. So I was just wondering, is it possible you might have some friends out there that are thinking, it's about time I heard from my friend. Uh, so I hope you'll take advantage of that if you haven't already. Call a friend, tell them you love them. Uh, the next two weeks, I'm going to do a two-week mini-sermon series called Asking for a Friend. And sometimes we have questions that we want answers to that maybe we're afraid to ask, and I'm going to deal with some uh, tough questions. I'm going to start with an obvious question maybe that people have on their minds, and that is, does the war in Israel have anything to do with the coming of Christ? We're going to be looking at Ezekiel 38. I'll be talking about that next week, but then following that, we'll be talking about why does a loving God, or does a loving God send people to hell? Uh, don't all roads lead to heaven? Does the crime fit the punishment? Uh, hasn't science disproved the Bible? Is Can we trust the Bible? We're going to be dealing with some of those tough questions over the next two weeks, so I hope you'll make sure you're a part of it. Uh, but before we get any further, uh, out of all of you that invited a friend, uh, let me do something real quick. Did anybody bring with you uh, more than two friends? Right, you got, okay. Anybody else? You're, you're my winner. All right, come on down here. I got something for you. Is that Erica? Erica, you're killing it. She's she's actually over there in Children's Church right now, but you just don't know it. I've got a family four-pack to 401k barbecue, so get your friends and take them to get some barbecue. And thank you to everyone who brought a guest, but I wanted to reward those who brought more guests. And uh, Gordy Johnson, Gordy runs 401k barbecue, let me just tell this quick story. Gordy was my friend. He is my friend. He was here, my friend, in the last service. Uh, and so I wanted to just give away some of his barbecue. But he runs the 401k barbecue shack. If you turn left out of the church parking lot and then turn left at the second light at Charles, it's a little barbecue shack right there. Gordy's uh, been doing that, but he's also, for the last 30 years, he's had the most decorated house in the neighborhood. And many of you will know it. Uh, just right across Hebron Parkway, right over here. And I mean, cars line up for miles to stop by and see Gordy's house. He finally retired from that. He's been doing it for 30 years. So finally, I'm done. City of Carrollton named a day after him, uh, Gordon, Gordon Johnson Day. But uh, I got to tell you how he started doing that. And maybe God will use a moment like this to touch somebody else, to pick up the mantle and run with it. But he was, this is over 30 years ago. He's headed to a Christmas party. He's dressed up as Santa Claus. He's driving in his convertible down the road. I think it's over like on uh, Northwest Highway, Loop 12, somewhere over there. And he gets stopped in a traffic light. 
and somebody in a car next to him says, hey, Santa Claus, is there any way you could come to the hospital and visit our niece? She's terminal. You would make her day. He says, I'm sorry, I'm on the way to a party. Light changes, they take off. Hit by the next light. They pull up next to him again. Santa Claus, please. It'll take you just a minute. Just stop by the hospital and visit her. You would, you would make her day. Sorry, got a party to go to. Light changes, he takes off. Gets stopped by another light. People pull up next to him. Please, please, Santa Claus. He thought, these people will never go away. So he says, okay, I'll go by just for a minute. He goes by dressed as Santa Claus. He walks into this little girl's hospital room. And he said, the look on her face made me realize I was going to be Santa Claus for the rest of my life. So over the last 30 years, he's been decorating his house. I mean, every stitch of his lawn, every blade of grass, every uh, shingle on his roof, everything's got a, a light on it. And he would turn his garage into a Santa's workshop. He would sit out there as Santa Claus and give out uh, candy to the kids that came by. Gordy Johnson, he was here in the last service. So uh, Erica, there's the story behind the guy who's making your barbecue. <clears throat> but I'll tell you one other, let me tell you two other crazy stories about friends. Uh, last Wednesday night in the service, uh, I just mentioned that I had Gordy come in and I was going to give away some of his barbecue. And I just mentioned in my class here on Wednesday night, I said, if anybody brings a guest and they have a restaurant, just tell me, I'll give you a shout out. So one of the ladies, Christine, she called her boss and uh, she said, I don't even know if my boss believes in Jesus, but I'll see if he'll come. He came in the last service. He was here in the last service and, uh, and I'll give him a shout out. Uh, he, he runs, he's the GM for Cortina's Italian restaurant over at Grandscape. So go by there and ask for Eric, Eric Stark, he's the GM. Tell him you're from Freedom. You heard about it at Freedom Church. And uh, let's believe he's going to come back and find Jesus. Uh, but one of the crazy story about friends, Richard Marquez, he was here in the last service. He told me he invited some of his friends from uh, his work, his company, to come last year at Christmas. And he said, just a couple weeks ago here, coming up on Friend Day, he was giving some of his people a hard time saying, you know, I invited you guys to come and invited Edwin here to come. He came for Christmas, so I guess he didn't like it because he never came back. And Edwin said, wait, what do you mean? I haven't missed a Sunday since last Christmas. I come to the 9 a.m. service and, and they've never seen each other at church. He, Richard comes to 1020 and Edwin comes to that. You never know when you invite somebody what might happen. Uh, but I'm gonna talk to you today about how to be a friend of God. How to be a friend of God. I talked to you last week about how to be a true friend to each other, but how, how are we a friend of God? The Bible reveals God as Lord, King of the universe, creator, master, judge, redeemer, savior, but the scriptures also reveal him as friend. Now, when God created the heavens and the earth and put Adam and Eve in the garden, there were no rituals, there were no ceremonies, there was no religion. It was just relationship between God and Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve delighted in God, God delighted in them. Then the fall, sin entered human, the human race, and that blew up the foundation of relationship. But what God did is God sent his son Jesus 
to pay the price for a penalty that we couldn't pay in order to reestablish that relationship so we could have a relationship with God again. And however hard that may be to understand, Jesus tells us and he explains to us in a short passage in John chapter 15. If you got your Bibles or on your phones, you can turn there. It'll be on the screen as well. John chapter 15, Jesus shares with us how to be a friend of God. John chapter 15, starting with verse number 10. If you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master's doing, but I've called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Now, some people don't get the fact that the God of the universe can also be our friends. They think you can't, you can't have a king and a friend in the same person. But I'm going to tell you that you can because, because of grace. Grace is what allows a king to invite sinners like us to be his friend. It can only be explained by grace. But Jesus kind of gives this contrast between a friend and a servant. And a servant only comes when there's something to do. A friend is welcome anytime. A servant is told what to do, but a friend is told why. A servant brings food to the table, but a, a friend sits down at the table and eats. So Jesus gives us this contrast, and he tells us in John 15, 15, I've called you as friends, and God wants us to be friends and have relationship. But in John 15, 13, he said, greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus loves us so much that he's willing to lay down his life for us. But Jesus lays out these four things. Let me give you real quick. Four things that we can do to become friend of God. And number one is this, to do what he says. Now, I know at first you're going to say, wait, that's not what a friend does. That's what a boss does. That's what a parent does. That's not what a friend does. But look at what Jesus said. He said, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and remain in his love. And I've told you this so that my joy may be in you, your joy may be complete, and you're my friends if you do what I command. Now I know that obedience is usually not associated with friendship. It's associated with somebody in authority over you. But let me, let me put it to you this way. Every single one of us have watched a, a football game or a basketball game or a, a, a baseball game where somebody gets fouled. Maybe it's a flagrant foul or a personal foul. It was intentional. It was brutal. And it maybe had been going on for a long time till finally the person, the player, the, the athlete that is fouled uh, finally reaches the boiling point and they want revenge and they go after the other player. Now, what are they doing? They're throwing all common sense aside. Now, there may be a time to stand up for your honor. I get it. But, uh, for the most part, they're throwing common sense aside because they know they potentially are going to get ejected from the game, right? Or they're going to uh, put their team at a weaker place because now they won't be able to play. So they're not thinking of the entire team. They're not thinking of themselves. And they may experience bodily harm. So they're not thinking about themselves. So what happens? 
a teammate, a friend jumps in front of him and stops him and says, hey, calm down, calm down, calm down, let it go, let it go, walk, walk away, walk away. Why? Because the one who is trying to stop them is thinking straight. The one who is enraged with emotion and so frustrated is not thinking straight. All they're thinking is payback. And so they're not, they're willing to throw everything away just to get payback. Do you realize that's what Jesus did for us? Most of us were traveling through life not thinking straight. And what did Jesus do? He jumped in front of us and said, Whoa, calm down, walk away. Just let it go. Because he was thinking straight for us. So doing what he says is a way to become a friend of God. Here's the second way. The second way is by loving others. We become a friend of God by doing what he says. Secondly, by loving others. John 15, 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. This is my command, love each other. You realize that out of 40 stories in the New Testament that record a healing that Jesus, uh, that, that Jesus did, a, a miracle that Jesus did, whether it was somebody who was sick or diseased, out of 40 miracles, 36 of them, or 34 of them, somebody was brought to Jesus by a friend or Jesus was taken to them by a friend. Only six out of the 40 experienced the healing without the assistance of a friend. And the vast amount of people that come to know Jesus today come because of a friend. You want to be friends with God? You want to be friends have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? Love other people. Show other people real love. In fact, during the reign of Queen Victoria, uh, a London doctor visited a 72-year-old lady by the name of Maria Vincent. He visited her home. She lived, she was poor. She was, lived in humble surroundings. Uh, she was malnourished. She, she was borderline starving. Uh, ill, sick. She didn't have enough clothes to stay warm. She didn't have wood to keep the fire going. And the doctor was appalled that her friends would allow her to live in such conditions. And he, he asked her, well, where are your friends? She said, I have none. He said, surely you have a friend. And she said, well, maybe one. And he pressed her for the name of the one friend. And when she finally was willing to confess, said, well, I think the queen is my friend. We were childhood friends, but she's probably long forgotten about me now. Well, the doctor didn't know if he believed her story or not, but she was in such critical condition. The London doctor wrote a letter to the queen relaying the story. The queen responded, said, indeed, she was a childhood friend. And enclosed in the letter was enough money to take care of all of the needs of Maria Vincent. She lived a comfortable life for the rest of her life as a friend of the queen. You see, listen, real friends care about each other. We care about the things that matter to one another. And if you want to be a friend of God, then we care about the things that matter to God. We, we grieve over the things that God grieves over. We rejoice over the things that God rejoices over. And do you know what God cares about more than anything else? is that we would all come to know his son as Savior. 
that we would all spend eternity with him forever. That's what God cares about more than anything. That's why he was willing to send his son to die on a cross so that we would all have right relationship with him. Friends of God tell their friends about God. Here's the third way we become friends, by knowing his word. First is by doing what he says. Second is by loving others. Third is by knowing his word. John 15, 15 says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business, does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. We become friends by knowing his word. And let me tell you why that's important. Because every single one of us have had probably a, a, a similar experience where you heard the story of a friend of yours, somebody said something about one of your friends and maybe it wasn't a great story and you knew it wasn't true based on what you know about your friend. Not based on the facts, not based on there was no video surveillance, you, you knew your friend better than that. So you go to your friend and say, hey, this is what so-and-so told me and you find out for sure you were right. The story was false because you knew your friend. Here's what happens, and here's why it's important for us to know the Word of God. Because when Satan comes to us with a lie, a lie about God, a lie about his nature, a lie about his promises, a lie about his future, when you know the Word, something goes off inside of you and says, that's not right. That's not right. It's kind of like most of us do when we're sitting around watching the mainstream media. That's not right. That's not right. That can't be right. Why? Because you're talking. It can't be right. But when the, the, the enemy loves to put these lies inside of our head, try to tell us that God doesn't love you, God doesn't care about you, God's mad at you, God's given up on you. Well, that's, that's not true. That's a lie. Because I know his word. He will never leave me and never forsake me. He will never give up on me. He loves me no matter what. So yeah, I know his word. When we know his word, it allows us to defeat the lies of the enemy and draw closer to him. And here's the last thing. How can we... Be friends with God by simply talking with him. Just talking with him. John 15, 16 said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. You see, friendship with God is based upon shared experiences with God. And God wants to be a part of every conversation. He wants to be a part of every problem. He wants to be a part of every thought. We just have to be willing to include him in on this. In fact, one of the most helpful books I found on this particular thought that I'm talking about was a, a, a book by the name of Practicing the Presence of God by a, a man by the name of Brother Lawrence. He was a chef in the 17th century in a French monastery. And Brother Lawrence learned how to take the preparation of the food, the washing and the cleansing of the food, the baking and the and everything that he did in the kitchen, he learned how to do that as worship to the Lord. And here's what he said. He said, the key to friendship with God is not changing what we do, but changing your attitude toward what you do. You see, most of us could do the exact same things that we've been doing every day, whether it's at work or at home or uh, in, here at church, but we could change the attitude towards what we do and all of a sudden, it creates a greater friendship with God because we start doing it as worship unto the Lord. In fact, one of the things that he said is he, in his book, is he learned to pray shorter prayers 
And here's what a lot of us, the mistake that a lot of us make is we, we try to create these long extended periods of time and we commit to these long extended periods of time to pray. And that's good and that's great, but sometimes it can be overwhelming. And what Brother Lawrence said in practicing the presence of God is he just learned to have short conversational prayers with God all day long. He got up in the morning. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Got ready to eat breakfast. Thank you, Lord, for the food prepared for me to eat. Thank you for the health that you've given me to take on this day. What if we just start talking to God all day long? Thank you, Lord, for getting me to church to here at Freedom Church on Friend Day, where I get a chance to come and celebrate the Lord with the best people on the planet. I get a chance to see smiling faces. I get a chance to pray with people. I get a chance to rejoice with people who are rejoicing, and cry with people who are crying and hurting. I get a chance to be a part of the body of Christ. You leave here and you walk out, you get to the restaurant. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you've given me provision to be able to eat dinner today or eat lunch today. Thank you that I got a four-pack to Gordy's restaurant over there, Gordy's 401k barbecue. Thank you, Lord. You see a wreck on the side road. Lord, thank you for bringing comfort and healing to the people that need that. If you just start talking to God and include him in every part of your day, you're going to start drawing closer to him and building a friendship and a relationship with the one who wants to be your best friend. But sometimes we start thinking, I don't have an hour to pray, so we don't pray at all. You can pray all day long. You can talk to him all day long. And I encourage you to start doing so today. Let me read this final story as we conclude. Let's call the young man Steve who wrote this, this story. He says, one day when I was a freshman in high school, I saw a kid from my class walking home from school. His name was Kevin. It looked like he was carrying all of his books. I thought to myself, why would anyone bring home all of his books on a Friday? He must really be a nerd. And I had quite a weekend plan, parties, football games, friends. So I shrugged my shoulders and went on. And as I was walking, I saw a bunch of kids running towards him. And they, they ran at him, knocking all the books out of his arms and tip, uh, tripping him so that he landed in the dirt. His glasses went flying. I saw them land in the grass about 10 feet from him. He looked up and I saw this terrible sadness in his eyes. My heart went out to him. So I jogged over to him and crawled around, found his glasses. When I handed them to him, I saw a tear in his eye. I said, those guys are jerks. They really need to get a life. He just looked at me and said, hey, thanks. There was a smile on his face. It was one of those smiles that show gratitude. I helped him pick up his books and ask him where he lived. And as it turned out, he lived near me. So I asked him why I'd never seen him before. He said, well, I just transferred into this school. We talked all the way home. I carried some of his books. He turned out to be a pretty cool kid. I asked him if he wanted to play a little football with my friends later. And he says, yeah, we ended up hanging out all weekend. And the more I got to know Kevin, the more I liked him. And my friends thought the same. Well, Monday morning came and there was Kevin with his huge stack of books again. I stopped him and I said, boy, you're going to really build some serious muscles with that pile of books every day. He just laughed at me and handed half of the books to me. Well, over the next four years, Kevin and I became best friends. When we were seniors, we were beginning to think about what college we would attend. Kevin decided on Georgetown. I was going to Duke. 
We would always be friends and the miles would never be a problem. He was going to be a doctor and I was going on a business scholarship. Kevin was valedictorian of our class. I teased him all the time about being a nerd and he had to prepare a speech for graduation. I was glad it wasn't me having to get up there and speak. The graduation day came and I looked at Kevin and he was one of those guys who had really found himself during high school. He filled out and actually looked good in glasses. I could see that he was nervous about his speech, so I smacked him on the back and I said, hey, big deaf, big guy, you'll do great. And he looked at me with that grateful smile again, said, thanks. As he started his speech, his throat cleared, and he began. Graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through the tough years your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. And I'm here to tell you that being a friend to someone is the best gift you could give them. And I'm going to tell you a story. Steve continues to write, I just looked at my friend in disbelief as he told the story of the first day that we met with him on the ground looking for his glasses after being bullied. Beat. How he had planned to take his life that weekend. He cleaned out his locker, taking all of his books home so his mom wouldn't have to do it later. He looked at me and he gave me that smile again, the grateful one. Kevin went on and said, thankfully, I was saved. My friend saved me from doing the unthinkable, the unspeakable. Steve's letter goes on as I heard a gasp go through the crowd as this handsome, popular boy told us all about his weakest moment. I looked over and I saw his mom and dad smiling at me with that same grateful smile. And when it's not, it was not until then, not until that moment, that I realized what it truly meant to be a friend. Freedom Church, never, ever underestimate the power of a simple gesture, the power of a kind word, the power of one act of generosity, one act of compassion that literally could save a life. And do you realize that that is exactly what Jesus did for us? While you and I were down on our hands and our knees trying to find our way through life, when we couldn't see clearly, when we're trying to make sense out of what's happening in our life. We're trying to figure out the whys of the struggles, and the challenges. Jesus came down to where we were. He found our glasses so we could see again. He picked us up and he walked with us and he became 
our friend, not just a savior. I'm so grateful that Jesus paid the price for my sins, a price I couldn't pay. And I'm grateful probably for that more than anything. But you know what I'm grateful for? That Jesus is my friend because he comforts me when I'm lonely. He gives me wisdom when I'm not thinking straight. He holds me back and restrains me when I'm trying to move in the wrong direction and bring destruction upon myself and my family. Jesus is my best friend. And today, he wants to be your best friend. Today, he wants you to know that a relationship with him is what he desires. A relationship with you is what he desires. Maybe you're not down in life and maybe you're struggling to make sense out of life. Allow Jesus to help you up. could be the best decision, the most important decision that you would ever make in your life.